Fantastic. Well, it's, it's brilliant uh, to be together, and um, I don't know about you guys, but it's amazing to me that it was only earlier this week that we were celebrating um, the turn of the new year. It seems like a lot longer ago um, than Tuesday, um, and it seems a little bit incredible that we're in 2019 now. Um, I don't know how you celebrated New Year. I don't know what your kind of traditions are. I don't know what you tend to do with New Year. But often, I think, with New Year, we find ourselves reflecting back on what has been and looking forwards to what's coming. And uh, we do that in all sorts of different ways. Lots of people will make, uh, kind of, they look forward to think about changes they want to make and decide on New Year's resolutions. Or you might kind of think about your your hopes and your dreams and what you'd like to see happen uh, in this year and the different things that that you're longing for. And so what I want us to do to to start with, I want you just to, to begin to imagine. And imagine for a moment, as you think ahead and you think about 2019 and you think about what you'd love to see happen or what it is that you want or the the changes that you want to see, and imagine if God was to come to you and he was to say to you, ask me anything at all and whatever it is that you ask, I'll give it to you. What would be top of your priority list? What would you ask him to give you in 2019? Just think about it for a moment. What would it be? Would it be, I don't know, success at work and a change in your workplace so that it's, it's not you know, as difficult as it was before? Would it be to have better relationships and for an improvement in your, in your marriage or with your children or with friends? Would it be that you'd get out of debt and that kind of sense of being trapped would be dealt with and gone and that you'd have more of a sense of financial freedom Would it be for healing and for a change physically so that you're able to get out and to do what it is that you really want to do? You're not held back. What would be top of your list? Well, do you know, God actually asked this question of someone once. He came to an Old Testament king called Solomon and he said to Solomon, I'll give you whatever you ask for. And what Solomon asked for probably isn't the kind of thing when we think ahead of, so if I could have anything at all, would be the most natural thing to come to mind. Solomon said, Lord, I want you to give me wisdom. I ask that you would give me a a heart and a mind that is discerning and wise that I might govern your people well. And there was something about Solomon's request, there was something about his his kind of request for wisdom that so thrilled the heart of God that God kind of turned to him and said, Solomon, you're on. I'm going to give you wisdom. But not only am I going to give you wisdom, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all of the good things that you didn't ask for. I'll make you the wealthiest and most successful man of your time. All because you chose to prioritize wisdom. And as we start 2019, this is what's on my heart for us in our priorities. That after our salvation in Christ, this year we would prioritize wisdom. This is what Solomon, the wisest and wealthiest man who ever lived, tells us. This is Proverbs 4 verses 7 and 8. It says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. Cherish wisdom and she will exalt you. Hold fast and she will lead you to great honor. 
Another translation puts it this way, saying, get wisdom even if it costs you everything you have. That's quite a statement, isn't it? To see wisdom as that important, that you would prioritize it over everything, even if it costs you everything that you have. And if wisdom really is so important, then we need to understand what it is, and we need to understand how we can get it. First, let me tell you what it isn't. Wisdom is not necessarily a high IQ. You don't need to be super smart or intelligent or to have studied and got a PhD in order to be wise. In fact, I probably, I I can certainly think of, and I imagine you can think of people who are either super smart or think of themselves as super smart, but actually they don't have an awful lot of wisdom or common sense and they tend to make some really foolish decisions and life is, is a bit of messy for them. You know, the good news is that you can be wise without having a high IQ, without having gone to university or anything like that. Wisdom isn't about your success level. It's not about how gifted you are. You can be a great athlete or a musician or a successful businessman and still not have wisdom. So what is it? Well, the Hebrew word that we translate as wisdom literally means The art of living skillfully. And the way that wisdom is is talked about in the Bible and the way that Solomon talks about wisdom is even more specific than that. The wisdom that they're talking about and the, the wisdom that Solomon says is so important that we should get it even if it costs us everything is the skill to live life according to God's plans. And when we understand wisdom... In this way, then we discover that a wise person is someone who patterns their decisions, someone who, who, who shapes their priorities and their values and the way that they're going to make their decisions and what they'll do with their time and what they say and what they think. And they have the skill to shape all of that around what God's ways and God's priorities and God's plans are. And the good news for all of us today is that wisdom is something that you can grow in. That wisdom is something which is on offer and is available. And that this year in 2019, each and every one of us has the opportunity to grow in wisdom and to allow wisdom to begin to shape our lives in a greater way. And to to help us then in becoming wiser, we're going to take time at the start of this year to look together at the book of Proverbs in a new series called Words to Live By. Because that's what Proverbs is. It's a book full of wisdom, a book full of words to live by, full of words to help us to, to grow in skillfully living God's way. Let's just pause for a moment, though, and just... Make sure we all understand, what is a proverb? If we're looking at the book of Proverbs, what is is a proverb? And you know, pretty much every religion and every different culture has uh, its own proverbs. Essentially, they're just short, pithy sayings um, on how to live, advice. And they're things which are easy to to remember. So we're going to have a quick quiz just to prove that they really are tend to be things that are easy to remember. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a proverb, and I'll start it off, and I'm going to miss out the last word, and you all need to tell me what the last word is for the proverb, okay? 
And then after we've managed to work out what the proverb is, I'm going to ask you, Bible or no? And you're going to shout out to me. If it's in the Bible, you'll shout Bible. And if you don't think it's in the Bible, you're going to shout no. Okay? So everybody understand? Yeah? If you don't, we'll just muddle along. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Two wrongs don't make a... Very good. Bible or no? Very good. Okay, don't cry over spilled... Excellent. Bible or no? Very good. Two are better than... Bible or no? Very good. Okay. The pen is mightier than... Excellent. Bible or no? Okay. Pride goes before a... Excellent. Bible or no? A little bit less certain. That one's in the Bible. And look before you... Excellent. Bible or no? No. Very good. Well done. Okay. So you all knew them, didn't you? It's easy. You know, we, we naturally learn and pick up and remember Proverbs because they're these short sayings which kind of make sense to us and they're easy to remember. They don't tell us how to handle every situation. They're not promises of exactly how things will work and what's going to happen. You can't look at Proverbs and, and kind of pull out and say that these are all promises of exactly what will happen every single time. They are general principles about that are true in life and that are easy to remember, and that are designed to help us to live skillfully God's way. And so over the next couple of months, we are going to be taking time to look at the book of Proverbs, and to look at words to live by, words that can help us to live skillfully God's way. And we'll look at all sorts of different things. We'll, we'll look at things to do with uh, the words that we say, and how we speak. We'll look at how we use our money and our time. We'll, we'll look at, at how we handle relationships, and we relate to, to one another. And it's going to be practical, and at times it's going to be challenging. But this morning, before we start looking at specifics, I'm going to unpack, I want to unpack just a few things that we need to do if we're going to grow in wisdom. And so the first thing that I think we need to do if we're going to grow in wisdom this year is we need to love it. Let's just go back to to what Solomon said about wisdom. Uh, We read a a couple of verses. We're going to start a couple of verses early. This is Proverbs 4 again. This is time from verses 5 to 8. He says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I loved a lot of things. Wisdom wasn't often one of those things. You know, when I was a child, I'd love simple things like going out and having adventures with my friends and building kind of rope swings over. We, we, I grew up in um, around an old mining village which had closed down, and so there were just kind of lots of different hills covered in coal and rubble and things, and we'd just do all sorts of crazy stuff. But none of it was wise, but it was a lot of fun. And then as I got into my teens, it started to become more serious things. And looking back, it seems like I loved everything that was the opposite of wisdom. It seemed to, seemed to gravitate towards doing things which, quite frankly, were stupid. I'm not going to go into details, but I reckon if you think back to when you were younger, into your teenage years and your years as a young adult, you can probably think of some similar things too. And then when I was kind of 17 or 18, 
it wasn't that I suddenly started to grow up. Sometimes we have this idea that as we get older, we mature and become more wise. How many of you know people who are adults and are grown-ups and are mature in terms of their age, but don't have an awful lot of wisdom? You know, my life started to change, not because I got older. It started to change because I started to take my faith in Jesus seriously. And I made the decision then that I wanted to give my life to Jesus and commit to not just kind of having him as some part of my life, but commit to living my life for him and following him. And the fantastic thing is, in that moment and when we come to Jesus, not only does he forgive us, not only does he promise to be with us and to, to help us, not only does he fill us with his spirit, but what happens is he begins to birth in us new desires and he causes us to love different things. And so, as I look to commit myself to follow Jesus, within me birthed a desire and a love for following him and a desire and a love for wisdom. I wouldn't have been able to put it in those words at that time, but that's essentially what was, what was going on. My eyes were open to see things more clearly and what I valued, what I desired, what I saw as being good changed. It wasn't like I had to stamp myself out from doing all the things I wanted to do. It's that what I wanted to do became different. You see, Jesus is the source of wisdom. And so when we follow him and when we really submit ourselves to him, as we grow in our love for him, what we're really growing in alongside loving him is loving wisdom. And the amazing thing is that as I've grown to, to love wisdom, I've seen over the years the blessing of wisdom. You know, as I look back over my life, I can remember times when I've been tempted to take shortcuts, times when I've been tempted to, to make compromises, times when I've been tempted to, to kind of just do things that are going to make just please me and be what I want. And I can't claim that every time I've made the right decision and I've got it right in those moments. But what I can see is that every time that I've chosen God's way, every time that I've chosen wisdom, it's led to blessing. Not always immediately. Sometimes immediately, quite frankly, it's hard. Sometimes immediately it costs you. Sometimes immediately you wonder what on earth is going on and where is God and how can this be right? Because choosing God's way and choosing wisdom isn't like kind of putting in your order in a vending machine where you, you kind of immediately get to pull out your blessing. But over time, as I've consistently chosen God's way, as I've consistently chosen to try to be wise in my decisions, where I've managed that, I've, in the long run, I've seen God's blessing. In the long run, I've seen how his hand is at work and how the way of wisdom is the way of blessing. And so I can look back and I am grateful for those times when I've made the decision to value God and to love wisdom. And that's why Solomon can write, choose wisdom, love wisdom, get wisdom, even if it costs you everything you have, because it's more valuable than anything else. And so this week, I want to encourage you to, to read through Proverbs 1 to 9. If you're going to choose one thing to read this week, read through Proverbs 1 to 9. What you'll discover in Proverbs 1 to 9 is not this list of pithy sayings that we talk about, because really Proverbs 1 to 9 isn't a bunch of Proverbs. Proverbs 1 to 9 is Solomon trying to get across to people in all that time. This is how valuable wisdom is. This is why it matters. This is what's so precious about it. 
And so read through Proverbs 1 to 9 and get an idea of the value of wisdom and what a blessed life looks like for those who follow words to live by, words that help us to live skillfully God's way. You know, as you look ahead at 2019, how many of you want your life to be blessed? And I know I certainly do. And what we discover here is that those who love wisdom, who prioritize wisdom and pursue wisdom, will be blessed. Now let's get practical. Because talking about loving wisdom is pretty vague, isn't it? It's a little bit nice and airy-fairy, and it's just this kind of, you know, what does it really mean? What does it look like? What does it mean in practice to love and to pursue wisdom? So here we go. The first thing is this. We need to eat it. You've probably all heard the phrase, you are what you eat. We know there's truth to it physically, don't we? There's truth in the physical. But actually, do you know there's also truth to it in the spiritual? What we feed our hearts and our minds on will make a huge difference in who we become and how we live. You know, I imagine you wouldn't intentionally, if you knew that some food was poisoned and contaminated, you wouldn't intentionally eat it, would you? You'd throw it away in the bin, absolutely. And yet sometimes we feed our hearts and our minds on mental stuff and spiritual stuff that is poisonous and contaminated and seem to think it won't do us any harm. Things that we focus on, that we watch, that we read, that we listen to, that we do, that we know are wrong, and we seem to somehow think we can get away with doing it without it doing us any harm. There are certain websites that you can go to, and if you keep feeding on that stuff, it will kill you. Spiritually. Mentally, it will mess you up. So there is poisonous food. And if that's something that you're struggling with, then I want to encourage you to make the decision today to choose wisdom. And to make a change, to realign your life, to skillfully live God's way. But you know, in the physical, there's also junk food, isn't there? You know, there's, there's, you, know you kind of get your McDonald's and your KFC and your, your Haribo and your chocolate and your crisps and your cake. All the good stuff. And I have to confess, and many of you will know this if you've spent time with me around food, that I have very little self-control when it comes to, to this kind of thing. But have you noticed, you know, eating these foods, it doesn't kill you. But while it doesn't kill you, eating these foods, when you eat it, you want to eat more of it. When you have more of it, you want even more of it. And it's kind of got this addictive kind of nature to it. And then even though it doesn't kill you, what happens is that as you keep on eating it, you end up so full of it that you've got no appetite left. And so there's no room left in you, for, or no desire left in you for the stuff that's actually going to do you good. For the kind of food that's nutritious, because you're filled up and you're so full of junk. And I think for many of us, our issue is not with watching things or doing things that we know are contaminated and poisonous. But actually, the challenge for us this year, when it comes to what we eat and what we fill our lives with, has a lot more to do with junk food. 
And it can be so easy to fill our minds and our hearts with things that in and of themselves aren't wrong. But we can end up full. Going about daily life, just kind of getting a little bit too addicted to social media. Or watching a little bit too much TV as we just kind of binge through five seasons of the latest program. Reading things and watching things and doing things and allowing all of this different stuff just to fill us up. And it fills our hearts and our minds and it crowds out everything else. And then we have no appetite left for wisdom food. To take in the food that will actually do us good. And if we don't recognize this and deal with it, then when it comes to having an appetite for wisdom, when it comes to having an appetite for the word of God and spending time with him and growing in what he has for us, we'll find that we're going to struggle. And we'll find it hard. And then we'll find it easy to give up. And the reason that we'll struggle is simply because we're already full. We don't have any room left. And so we need to start by clearing some stuff out. We need to get rid of some stuff in order to make room for the good stuff. In order to make room for wisdom food that is truly nutritious and going to do us good. And initially it's hard to do it. Initially it's painful. Initially it's a struggle because what you have fed yourself on so long has an addictive nature to it. And when you sit there, your mind will automatically turn to it and there'll be this longing and this draw within you pulling you back to what it is that you're used to filling yourself with. And so it's a struggle and it's hard and it's painful and it costs you. So why would we want to push through that pain barrier? Is wisdom really worth it? What we discover again and again in Proverbs is just how precious and valuable it is. This is what we read in Proverbs 3, verses 13 to 18. It says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Do you believe that? Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Now, if you and I want to experience more of the blessed life that comes with wisdom, then one of the most simple and most important things that we can do is to fill ourselves with wisdom food, with the word of God, with the Bible. And so as we start this new year, it's a great time to make that decision and commit again in a fresh way that you're going to read the Bible every day. To, to, to find some kind of, of, of app on uh, version, or to find some kind of book as a devotional, something that maybe you can read the whole Bible in a year or a devotional. It's this bit of a verse of a, every month or whatever it is. Or if you're struggling to know what to read, then Proverbs is fantastic. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs. There's 31 days in a month. You just look at whatever the date is for that month and you find that proverb and you've got something that you can read to feed yourself on wisdom food. Something that you can then think about and pray about and ask God to speak to you through to what it actually looks like for you to live it out. For it to be words that you live by and help you to live skillfully God's way. 
Because it's as we eat on it and we feed on wisdom that we discover that these aren't just nice phrases and nice sayings that we all know and we remember, but actually these are words to live by, words to allow to shape who we are. So when it comes to growing in wisdom, first we need to love it, then we need to eat it. And the next thing that we can do to grow in wisdom is simply to ask God for it. This is what Solomon did, isn't it? He asked God for it and God gave it to him generously. And we get an amazing promise in the New Testament in James 1 verse 5, which says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When was the last time that you went to God and you cried out for wisdom? For some of you, it's probably a prayer that you pray regularly. You know, I know for me, it's one of my most kind of common prayers before I make a phone call or I visit someone or I've got a meeting. I ask God for wisdom because I know I need it. On my own, I'm not up to much. And when you're facing a tough situation at work this week, when you're struggling with how to handle something in your, your family, you can ask God for wisdom. And his promise is that he will give it generously. And when God gives wisdom, it's a game changer. What had seemed so confusing and difficult and unclear suddenly all clicks into place as he shows you the steps to take. Next one, be teachable. Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And this sounds a little bit odd in some ways because you might think, well, if I'm the wise one, then why do I need to go to other people for advice? Why do I need to listen to other people? And it's because if you're truly a wise person, you know that you still need help. God has given us his word and he's given us his spirit and he's given us so much, but he's designed us in a way where we need other people if we're going to grow in wisdom. Why? Because we all have blind spots. And the problem with there's a blind spot is that you can't see it. You need someone else to help you with that. And a blind spot doesn't have to be something negative. Sometimes it can be a positive. Sometimes we can be blind to the, the good things and the positive things about ourselves. And we need other people to come along and to encourage us and to point them out and to, to show us. We also need people who are going to come alongside us in love and help to remove the blind spots when it comes to our character flaws. You know, how many of you know if you've got food stuck between your teeth or you've been left with some toothpaste around your mouth or something like that, that a good friend is the one who isn't afraid to point it out so that you don't go around the whole day looking like a fool? <laughs> you know, we need people like that. So I want to encourage you this year, be teachable. Be teachable. Know that you need other people to help you. Know that you need other people to speak into your life. Surround yourself with people who can help you to grow in wisdom this year. You know, in growth groups, with your friendships, get alongside people who can help you, people who you can be a help to. Look for people who have been through the kind of situations that you're facing or that you can see coming up so you can get alongside them and ask them, how did you cope? How did you handle this? What did you do? What were the lessons that you learned? 
so that you can learn from their mistakes, so that you don't make the same ones, and so that you can adopt their successes. You know, one of the things that I'm so grateful for in my life are the people who have invested in me and encouraged me, the people who have spoken truth to me, even when it's been painful to hear. The people who have been there for me to pick their brains with questions when I've needed help. And I don't know about you, but this year I want to grow to be a better person, a better man of God, a better father, a better husband, a better leader, a better preacher. And I know that I need wisdom for that. And if I'm going to get wisdom, I need other people to help me to grow. And if I want to grow and you want to grow, then we need to stay teachable. Number five, then, is simply this. It's do it. You know, being teachable and learning and knowing and growing and loving and all of that isn't enough on its own. Our lives are changed not when we just learn about something and we know it and we get good advice from people. True growth in wisdom comes when we put it into practice. When we do what God is telling us to do. You know, when you look through the Proverbs, what you'll quickly find is there's an awful lot of doing verbs. A lot of verbs that call us to action. Turn your ear, seek after this, hold your tongue, have self-control. James 3 verse 13 says this, says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. To grow in wisdom takes action. You can't do it passively. It's not just about having lots of knowledge and information up here. Wisdom is about skillfully living God's way. It's about putting it into practice. That's why they're words to live by. Uh, Jesus tells a parable a lot of you will be familiar with. We teach it to our children all the time, but I think often we miss the point. Um, he tells this parable of these two men who are building a house, the wise man and the foolish man, and they're both building the same kind of house. They've got different foundations. One of them's building it on the rock, and another one's building it on, on sand. And he gets to the end of the parable, and, and, what, and he says, what's the point? What's the difference between the two men? They're building the same house. They've both heard the same teaching of Jesus. They've both been there at the Sermon on the Mount. They've both heard it all. What's the difference between the two? Jesus says, the wise man is the one who hears what I say and does it, who puts it into practice. You know, and I think for many of us, myself included, we know a lot more about God's ways than we live, if we're really honest. We've read the Bible and we've sat through sermons and teaching for so many years. The information's all there. Our issue isn't with what we know, it's with how we live it out. And so even this morning, what do you need to do? What action can you take as a result of what we've been talking about today? What changes do you need to make in order to to better line up your life with living God's way? Do you need to change what you're filling your your life with and what you're full of so that you've got space and room to take in wisdom food? How can you ensure that you're pursuing and seeking wisdom as you, you ask God for it and you stay teachable and you listen to other people? 
Who are you surrounding yourself with who you can learn from? It's no good just knowing the wise thing to do if we still choose to do the foolish ones. We need to actually do them. Last key then for us, if we want to grow in wisdom this year, is something that comes up again and again in the book of Proverbs. The last thing that we need is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And we tend to think of fear as something to be avoided, don't we? None of us like to be afraid. Fear is something we want to be free from. So what does it mean to really fear the Lord? And I think this is about having not just in your head, a knowledge that you agree with about who God is, but having in your heart a right perspective on who God is. A realization in our hearts that God is bigger and holier and mightier and stronger and higher than anything that we can imagine. A vision of God that results in a sense of awe, that results in an under, us understanding our place and understanding God's place. And bowing the knee as a result. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, we are invited into an amazing, beautiful relationship with God as our Father and us as His children. A relationship where he promises to love us and care for us and to be with us and to forgive us. But our God is also described as a consuming fire. You know, I love how C.S. Lewis writes about this in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, he tries to capture this and he tells this story of Susan and traveling to meet Aslan, the, the lion who kind of represents Jesus in the story. And, and as she's traveling, she asks Mr. Beaver a question. She asks, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, oh no, he is not safe. But he is good. And that is our God. He is not safe. He is not someone to be treated casually. He is powerful and mighty and a consuming fire. But he is good. And he is righteous. And he is true. And he is loving. And if we want to grow in wisdom this year, then it starts with growing in our fear of the Lord. So that God may be put in his rightful place. And we might be put in ours. And everything else is put into perspective. I mentioned this a couple of nights ago at Deeper. Oswald Chambers, I couldn't remember who it was then, but it was Oswald Chambers. Um, he, he said that if you fear the Lord, you will fear nothing else. And if you don't fear the Lord, you will fear everything else. When we fear the Lord, we realize just who God is and it changes everything. When we fear the Lord, we come to a place where his opinion of us is the only thing that matters to us in life. 
when we fear the Lord, we come to a place where we recognize him as the master and that we're just the servants. We come to a place where the only option left to us is to bow the knee and to give our lives to him. You know, for us today to make the decision to fear the Lord is to make the decision to bow the knee. It's to make the decision to submit to Jesus. It's about choosing him as our Lord and our King and our Master. And Jesus says that he's the way, that he's the truth, that he's the life. And Paul writes in Colossians, in Colossians 2 verse 3, that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so if you want to grow in wisdom, then you want Jesus. And the starting point is the fear of the Lord. The starting point is to bow the knee and to submit to Jesus and commit afresh to live your life in obedience to him. There's an old story about a a wealthy Roman who was disgusted with his son. And so he disinherited him. And he made his slave, Marcellus, the one who would inherit everything that he had. But he didn't do it in secret, and so he, he called his son into him as he was, he was getting old, and he knew that, that death was near. And he said to him, look, you know what you've done? And so I am leaving everything to Marcellus. But I'll let you have one thing. You can choose it. What one thing would you like me to give you? And his son turned to him and he said, I'll take Marcellus. The son was wise enough to know that if he got Marcellus, he got everything. If you want to grow in wisdom, then you really only have to do one thing. Choose Jesus. Again and again and again, choose Jesus. Because with Jesus, you get everything. With Jesus, you get eternal life. With Jesus, you get a Father who favors you and loves you. With Jesus, you you get uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit with you, equipping you and helping you and strengthening you and comforting you. With Jesus, you get forgiveness and a clean conscience and a fresh start. And with Jesus, you have access to all wisdom because in him, as Paul says, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, as we look to prioritize wisdom this year, to love it, to eat it, to ask God for it, to be teachable, to simply do it above all of that, if we want to grow in wisdom, we need to fear the Lord and choose Jesus. And so I want to just finish with an opportunity for us to do that this morning, to choose Jesus, to choose his ways and to make the decision to submit to him today. And that might be something that you feel like God is prompting you to do as a way of recommitment this morning, as you recognize that you haven't been living skillfully His way, that you haven't been wise. And so you want to commit to to Jesus and submit to Him and turn your life in a way where you say, look, I'm going to pursue wisdom this year to skillfully live God's way. Or it might be that God is calling you to to make that decision and stirring your heart to make that decision for the first time. And if that's the case, then I want to encourage you to be bold and to be courageous and not to hold back, but to choose Jesus. Because it's the best decision that you'll ever make.